Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. A regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. So, uh, we, uh, after nearly 210 episodes of this nonsense, we may have to come up with a, a new, uh, bigger, more overstuffed uh, version of the intro to this podcast. Um, and no, it's not because we've been shafting Max out of that for the last nearly four <laughs> years. We don't really care about that, apparently. Uh, but there's someone else who is... is joining us for the first time without actually being in the room what's up kevin hello this is this is amazing technology is wild y'all yeah i bought i bought a microphone Uh, i don't know if pierce gets commissioned for these blue (laughs) snowball microphones but they've done a lot of business for us technology are you guys not in my house (laughs) no no, we're we're not. No, we're and, not. and neither neither is the utility company that's supposed to be there <laughs> replacing your gas meter. Oh, so that you know that I, means I, Max I, probably feels kind of lonely, huh? Yeah, I I, I do want to say with this, you know, to pull back the court curtain just a little bit. Uh, we we do take this somewhat seriously. We we if you will, we smoke tested this. We went through our, our our procedures for doing it and everything, so that it would work right this first time out. This is really important, you know, giving the people what they want, which is a quality podcast. It's really the bare minimum. Apparently, they don't do that in Iowa. This is just something they do <laughs> that on the coast, doing the bare minimum, testing things out beforehand. Um, well, but, you uh, know, but then we hit record and start talking, and then the quality parts kind of over at that point isn't it well that that that's that's true that's true but uh you know it is it is cheery to to at least get together and, and try to put out a, a quality product here um that's fair. and 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 i think in the spirit of getting together uh this week uh i actually read something and shared with you all a piece in the guardian uh that is about well the opposite of that which is the feeling of loneliness um and i think specifically this is in the uk because it is the guardian but i think the feelings and thoughts expressed in this are not particular to uh those those islands up north well they go out of their way in the in the piece which i have been skimming uh since we got on skype today uh to talk about <laughs> respondents from falmouth to jakarta and uh as i recall whether it's part of the european union or not uh, i don't think the united kingdom includes jakarta officially oh Um, well it it doesn't i don't think it's part of the (laughs) commonwealth either i i I don't think so um but yeah you 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 sent us this article about loneliness which i've been told is better than drinking alone is that is that right? Does that track with anyone? It should track with Max. If any. What was up? Uh, loneliness is better than drinking alone. Specifically, the drink called loneliness is better than drinking alone. Uh, 
as said by is our great poet laureate, uh, oh. Billiam Joel. Billiam Joel, yes. Ah, it's Billiam. Uh, so on Tuesday nights, I used to drink alone, but then I figured I'd get a microphone. So Jesus, that's oh. dark. I could do both at the same time. Okay, we all. It, there's no piano on this podcast, fortunately, but, but there could be. There could be. I actually don't know what the music will be this week. But, I mean, just to give a quick, I think, synopsis of of this article, um, one kind of unifying thread throughout it was that um, these people are busy during the week. And and couples talk about the tunnel of going through the week, and they're very busy. They might not have time for people, or maybe they are making time for people you know, after work, you get a drink or you hang out and get dinner. And then the weekend comes and it feels like this void that, that goes slowly and they have to fill it with something and they can't find anything to fill it with, even though they might have friends. But they all contend with this in different ways, but they are almost scared of, of the weekend. And there's such a feeling of the weekend being release and these people are experiencing quite the opposite i mean i think that while these people are expressing that it is an every weekend type thing for them i can certainly see some of the threads of that i mean kevin i don't know if you were taken by this but i was particularly taken by this discussion of the public spaces which during the week are not quite as busy, but then on the weekend, fill up with couples or people with families. And a lot of those in the article were describing that as a real trigger for them. Yeah, I, I've i noticed that a change in myself in, in this regard that I, I don't have necessarily the same problem as the people in the article. Uh, I, I do have a pretty busy week and um, I do feel like I'm kind of knocking things off the the schedule from when I wake up to when I go to sleep on most weeknights. Um, And then for me, what happens is the weekend, it ends up just, it feels more like there's pressure rather than, um, you know, the opposite of, you know, I don't, I don't have anything scheduled yet. I feel Mm -hmm. this uh, pressure to do something that I otherwise wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm also in a new living situation and I you know, have been removed from a lot of my friends and I don't have necessarily loneliness of loneliness because I'm, I'm here with a partner, but I, it, again, yeah, it just feels like pressure, like, oh, I should maybe meet other people even though I don't necessarily feel lonely. Yeah, um, that, that sounds real familiar. Um, only I also didn't move with... Uh, with a partner so um you know i have my i have a group i have a largely weekday group that's built into my life it's the people i go to school with um and then frankly i spend a lot of i i spend a lot of weekends pretty much alone uh and sometimes it's nice sometimes it really sucks sometimes you just kind of you know you look around and you realize, oh, wait, I haven't talked to anyone today. And you're like, well, shit, I sh- should just go to bed. Really just call it a wrap on this day, pretty much. Um, and, you know, what, the irony is that I should, I probably would benefit from talking to someone about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never, 
I guess I haven't personally hit a point where it feels like a really serious problem to me or anything. Mm -hmm. But that's also because I know that being in school, there's like a kind of a defined end on at least on this phase of that part of my life. And so I can, I can visualize like where I go next and, and say, well, I'll do it better next time or, or I won't, you know, I'll be more um, willing to kind of, you know, put myself out there and, and be the one who fa- who facilitates human contact on the weekend for myself. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, there there's an extent to which I think that that's a big part of this is like, you know, uh, we've we've talked a lot in recent months about apps and, and services and things that make our lives easier. And, you know, not not to not to do my usual thing and start yelling at clouds for this. But like one of the one of the main things that gets sold to us as making our lives easier is removing all the human contact from our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. like it's not it's not all the apps fault because we yeah. are are buying into that. But like it's not not their fault too in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean do you think that minimal human contact is really the change that's causing the people in this article to feel lonely i mean i almost can i almost question i have have a few questions actually and i'll be honest i did not read the whole article but i'm curious you know i I understand kevin's feeling about feeling almost pressured to do things a lot of times i'll I'll be busy for three weekends in a row and then i finally have a weekend with no plans and i think yay i can just sit around and do nothing and then later that day i'm like i should go out and do something (laughs) so i get that but i'm curious if a, a lot of that doing something at least as a as a young person living in a city revolves around drinking and i'm wondering if it's just that you need to figure out what kind of social avenues you can go down that maybe if that's just not your thing like something else to do i know that like I think there should be more community events and libraries should be open later and we can talk all around those types of things. But I'm, I'm just curious if you guys think like, are, is there just not stuff available to these people so, or is that not uh, affecting it here? So I don't, I don't want to jump in too much for this, but, but this is something that I think I've, I know that I have dealt with for a very long time, having now lived by myself for gosh, uh, I think right at, six years now i have i have had a a one bedroom apartment with just me in it for six years now um and i've had to i remember talking to coworkers about it which is you know just because i live alone does not mean i'm lonely but loneliness is still very powerful and come up in a lot of places i was definitely afraid uh, for a long time or, or reluctant for a long time to go to concerts by myself because I was afraid that that would be a very lonely experience um, in that these are things that can be very affecting and you want to share them with people. I, I think that's a lot of it. You want to do these activities, if it's hiking, if it's going to a concert or whatever, and sharing them with people. It is a lot to ask, I think, humans, which are social beings at heart um, and in mind, to go to something like a concert which you think of very social or drinking or going out to dinner or really any of these things um, and becoming okay with doing them by themselves and not experiencing loneliness. I think that's a huge thing here, which is 
Being alone and loneliness are two different things. One is a state of being and one is a feeling. It's also, I, I think that's right. I, I think you're leaving out the opposite side of that coin, which is that it doesn't require physically being alone to feel lonely. Correct. Uh, it, it's very much like, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of going to concerts and and movies and and things like that alone too. Like it it can be a nice, you know, it can be a nice way to to treat yourself, as it were, uh, and and have some fun. But like if you're, you know, I th- I think it's a I think it's maybe John Mulaney, which came to mind because I know we were. We found ourselves in a, a room with other people watching a John Mulaney special over the weekend. Um, you know, loneliness could be uh, something as simple as like being in a, a room full of people and feeling like you don't fit in or like lacking the courage to to go talk to someone like, you know, th- those things are, are very different. So to, to Max's question, though, I, I think that this guardian survey which admittedly does not have a ton of respondents they they touted 200 respondents like that's a a big deal but (laughs) um not not exactly a large sample um but they they have a pretty wide age range and as i was sort of skimming through uh one of the things that i noticed is some of the people who were kind of the most eager to talk about this feeling uh were people who were older than us um from their kind of early 40s even up into their 70s and so like there are clearly there are different factors that that play into that at at, you know depending on what stage of your life you're at and and frankly stages of life is something that gets brought up as kind of one of the the causes of this when you you know when you're you find yourself around a group that you feel like is maybe not at the same stage of life that you're in there's there's a woman in her 40s who talks about how um the weekend is for couples and mm-hmm. how she she literally says it would be unheard of to invite me to a dinner party because i'm single and like my my first off the cuff thought in response to that like before i even had time to like process it was what well, that doesn't make sense single people are can be fun <laughs> at dinner parties uh yeah, and then friends wait buddy. That's a, that's a really, that's a, a really astute point. If you are, you know, sometimes if you're like the one, the one single friend in a room full of couples, you know, it, you can feel really lonely. You can feel like you're, you're left out and you don't have anything to contribute to the conversation because, you know, when, when you're in a big group of people and there are kind of smaller subgroups within the big group that have common threads, I, you know, I know this is going to come as a huge shock, but like conversation tends to jump to those common threads. You know, I, I would I think of like when our, our friend Alan was living in Charlottesville because he was, you know, while he was in med school and I would go hang out with them. Uh, and for, for some portion of that time, I was single. Uh, but for every bit of that time, I was someone who had no connection to the medical profession at all. And so, like, it was really hard. It was very hard to, you know, really feel like a super active participant in those social interactions. 
I feel like this whole recording could be a uh, an example for why caucusing shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to throw that in there. You're talking about being in a circle and not wanting to to talk. Um, I, I don't want to go off the rails, but just I don't know. Every year, every four years, we forget how caucusing works, and then we read about it, and we're like, "Why the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, that is that is off the rails. But I think we all agree. It's with like you if you're that. a quiet person or an introverted person, like you're just not gonna get to vote for who you want. <laughs> so um, stupid. Now, <laughs> Kevin, you brought up something interesting earlier uh, about the the schedules and feeling like you need to fill it, and I think there was a little bit of that in this article as well there was one person in particular and to kind of fill his schedule his void uh he set out to make a fancy dinner on on saturday nights you know having an activity having to fill it do you and and max i'm curious too um because i know that you your your day on weekends is often a little bit shorter you started a little bit later than than other folks um but you know this this pressure to fill the weekend I, I think is is really there because you are told that it's this this free time um and max i think to, to start with you is is that a pressure that you feel obviously you you also have a a roommate significant other um, to help you fill this time, but but do you do you feel that pressure to to be like I have to do this because it's Saturday and I'm not going to waste a weekend? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's working for the weekend, and then you get to the weekend and you're like, "What was I working for?" No, but I mean, I'm making light of it, but seriously, you you feel like you're you know you're working, you're working, you're working, and then oh, finally it's the weekend, I can do whatever I want, and then it's and then you're thinking, well, what is it I want to do? And you feel pressures to do all these things i mean part of you might want to just sit on the couch and and watch tv all day but i've done that and you don't you feel almost guilty at the end of the day you feel like oh wow i just wasted a day where i didn't have to go to work and that doesn't mm-hmm. feel good either so yeah there's definitely pressures i don't know necessarily the, the best way to handle those but yeah i i think you get them from all over whether it's to go out and do things or even if it's a pressure to get more sleep which I do get a lot of sleep on the on the weekends. I yeah. Yeah, you I, don't I think, say. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think that for me it's that I know I know what the schedule is on the week during the week, so I can fill in those gaps very easily. But the weekend, I, I feel like I need to leave it completely open because you never know what might pop up or sometimes events start at three o'clock that you're interested in. Sometimes they don't start till seven o'clock, and so because it's much more random, it's hard to fill in the gaps um and then you're kind of then when you do get to those weekends where there's nothing in it you just don't really know where to go and i again I, it's it's hard for me to articulate how that relates to loneliness but it's more of just the the vacant weekend feeling yeah that, I, that i'm relating to yeah and yeah, I, I wonder and... also if some of that is a feeling like if if there's nothing uh, and th- th- so so this is something that I find helps me get out of that rut sometimes is uh, reminding myself that the fact that there's nothing scheduled uh, is okay. And it doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It doesn't mean you have to like unscheduled time doesn't have to be spent on my couch. And so like, you know, if it's been a couple of weeks since I've really kind of like gone out and done something outside of like weekdays, 
I'll just hop on the metro and have no real plan, and I'll just go wander around D.C. And, and you know, part of that is that I can I can amuse myself pretty well just walking around for four hours, um, and, and that's that's something that I probably take for granted, and and that's not everyone's experience. But you know, that is I do think that that is something that we kind of all we maybe all owe it to ourselves to remind ourselves of every once in a while. Yeah, I actually, I do that too. I also go on walks, but I noticed from the bit of the article that I read that one person specifically said that she doesn't feel comfortable like walking alone on the weekends. Pierce, what do you, what did you think of that? I, if, if I recall correctly, it's the part of it was the, fear of or discomfort with being seen as someone walking alone less the the safety of walking around at night or something like that Mm. which might have also been mentioned that's kind of different you could feel like that even if you're in a group but the being seen as as alone i think goes back to the just the general comfort with the that feeling of loneliness or or being comfortable by yourself and and being able to go do something aimlessly i i think that also part of it here is and to go back to when we were discussing the boutique fitness last week and everything yoga and meditation these are things which teach us to allegedly teach us to be comfortable with just your thoughts and that is a frightening thing. I think the idea of turning turning the, the technology off, throwing it away, and just wandering around is 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 all right. I should be very clear. I didn't say anything about wandering around for four hours with my thoughts. I wandered around <laughs> for four hours with my headphones in. Yeah. So, but even oh, if I, I just use my thoughts. Yeah, but it, but it's it's, it's really time. just this this emptiness, and and yeah, you might not do it with those things, but to to get people to be comfortable with that, or even if you're just by yourself and you're listening to a podcast or, or whatever, it's it's a pretty solitary activity, and there's a reluctance to to do that. And it's yeah, it's harder during the week because you're like you're stressing about this thing I have to do with work, and then if you're fortunate enough not to work on weekends to have a, a quote unquote weekend, um, you know that turns off, and so that that stress bug is is gone. Well, and, and so I've done the reverse of that. Another another thing for me is that I wind up actually having to do a decent chunk of work on the weekends because the nature of schoolwork is much more sort of fluid and it's got to happen when it's got to happen than like work work. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that doing something alone can be really fun. Sometimes, like there are a lot of times when doing an activity is best with a you know, with a companion, with another person to do it with. And that's all well and good. That, like, I I feel the same way too. But sometimes even activities that are maybe best done with a companion can be really satisfying to do on your own. Like, you get to be your own little dictator for the day. You You don't have to answer to anyone but yourself. You walk at your pace. You go into whatever shops or museums or coffee shops you want to go into. And, you know... If you go do that for an afternoon, like that, it's a really nice feeling. You feel very in control of your domain, which is good for me as a horrifically indecisive person. It doesn't matter. Like at, at that point, you know, 
kind of two things happen. One, while I'm still being indecisive, it doesn't adversely affect someone else, which is great. And then, you know, I hit a critical mass where I go, well, no one's going to, like, I don't have, I can't answer to anyone but myself. I have to make a decision. I have to pick a place that I'm going to go. So, like, I get double benefit out of that. Um, I think the last thing I, I really thought of with this, and I think one of the people who's a mom, a mom in this uh, article mentions texting or WhatsApping her her children over the weekend a couple times, and that was a very like poignant moment of oh that that seems you know she doesn't really have a lot going on, and that connection is great. Do you? Do you at all reflect on this idea that we are more connected than ever, but this idea of loneliness, and I believe the UK has a commission on loneliness. I don't remember if that was mentioned in the article, but they do have one, and there's a need. I mean, clearly there's a need, but this this digital age where we're so connected, but then also loneliness seems to seep into people's uh, consciousness. Uh, is that just a paradox we're going to have to get along with, or are there maybe solutions out there for this, this seemingly paradoxical thing? So I, the the example that you chose is a tough one to wrangle with as it pertains to that question because there's a big confounding factor to it. Uh, I, I do think there's a certain extent to which the we've never been more connected, we've never been more alone uh, – that old saw like that rings kind of true but you know we're, we're also we're kind of out of our depth here because we're all in our late 20s we're all young men we all have not started families of our own and you know we all haven't um, you know like there there are certain experiences that we kind of can't have had and and yeah. so I think something that comes into play for this, you know, it, it, it's brought up that uh, I think several of the respondents are people who, you know, who have families. And, you know, I, I don't know whether this this woman with her kids, I don't know if she got a divorce. I don't know if her spouse passed away. I, I don't I don't know what happened. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, when they start a family, they put all of themselves into that part of who they are. And you really like, you can neglect the idea that you are also a separate person who has, you know, emotional needs that should be cared for. And that caring for those needs is a good thing and not selfish. And so like, I, I don't, I don't know what it feels like to to be someone who uh you know who who talks to their their children over WhatsApp a couple times a week but then feels lonely at other times like I I don't I mean I can't I can't know until I I'm I've been that person but like um I I so I I don't know um I I do think that I do think that how much of our interaction takes place on technological platforms, I do think it impairs our human interaction ability some. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much, and I don't know how much of that 
is confounded by all of the other, you know, uh, pressures and trials and tribulations of being alive in America or in Britain in 2020. I I, I don't know. Yeah, one thing um, that I this article kind of brought to light for for me uh, and. It's it's hard to separate the two, but at my at my previous job, I had a schedule where I worked a longer work day, but I got every other Friday off, um, as in like as in no one was expected to work, um, and if you went online, you'd only find you know one or two people online, and that that every other Friday off, act, I when I reflect on it now. I realized that I could kind of use it in whichever way that I wanted to. Sometimes that meant, oh, I really need to like sleep until 1 p.m. Sometimes it was, oh, I need to kind of, I need to just go into the city by myself and entertain myself and, um, you know, with my thoughts or with a podcast or whatever. Uh, And it was, it's also kind of interesting because I, most of, most or all of my friends are working. So, I'm also not feeling guilty that I'm not talking to them. They're like, oh, they're mm. working, and I'm and I'm not. Yeah. So I, I I'm much more able to not worry about the fact that I'm not talking to them, and I can I think that I was a lot more uh, able to just kind of uh, live in the moment, for lack of a better term. And so I no longer have that work schedule. And again, like I said, it's hard to separate the fact that I moved and you know don't have as many friends in the new area versus the schedule thing but um to me it kind of makes it makes sense that when you have that extra day and and the the weekend's longer so then if you have that one day of recuperation for whatever you need then the rest of the weekend kind of felt better too no i think that's giving yourself a little bit of grace i think is important in all these instances which you just described there which is kind of allowing yourself that space um and telling yourself that it's fine and with these folks too i think that that's something that they seem to to struggle with Uh, i mean i think ultimately with this if it is something you are struggling with there are definitely people that you can talk to about it that that aren't friends or relatives or whatever they're professionals that can set you on the right course and i think that being able to talk about that and think about that hopefully there's more momentum to to do that because clearly people are struggling with okay what do i do with my time i have it and i want to enjoy it and i'm not but you also shouldn't that that is all true i think it also we shouldn't underestimate the the power and the usefulness of talking to the people that you care about in your life about about that too if that's a way that you're feeling like you know uh, some of the people in that guardian article that you sent talked about like being really nervous about talking to their family about their feelings of loneliness and and worrying that they would be a burden on the people that love them because of that and and it's that's not necessarily true you know there there are people you know hopefully you have people in your life that you care about that care about you and and, you know maybe they don't maybe they don't understand how you feel maybe they don't know that that's a way that you feel and so like you know don't don't count out the helpfulness of 
engaging those people in your life too. Like obviously if, if it's something that you feel like you really have trouble managing and that you could use professional help with it like that, that is important, but you know, you might, you might be surprised to find what happens when you reach out to the people that are in your life too. So, you know, one of our, one of our serious pods, a classic. Um, okay. Uh, so so <laughs> let's, let's move on from a very, a serious discussion of, of loneliness, uh, to a very, very silly discussion of all of the different ways that Pierce can find uh, to apologize to himself while appearing to apologize to someone else. It's Pierce's sorry. What are you apologizing for today? Well, well, you say that, and um, today I went and got an oil change. Um, and, and Max, I got it done at, at a Honda dealership because I have a Honda Accord. When you think about getting any service done at a dealership, what do you think of? What comes to mind? What feelings are evoked? Um, feelings? Ooh. I feel like you pay more, and they act like they care more about your car, but then they tell you that your car, other than needing oil, also needs a new door <laughs> and a new engine and a few other new things, and that you're better off just hours. buying the newest model of the car. <laughs> well, so I went to um, the the Honda dealer. It's actually a used dealer, but it's in Arlington today. And uh, I had been there before. This is actually my third year going there. And you ask, if you have these feelings, which I have similar feelings, why do you continue to go? I mean, I don't know. Why do we bang our head against the wall every day? Why do we think caucuses are a good idea? I don't know. Because before it was fine. Um, so I, So I went... And the other thing is I had two coupons. One said you get your oil change for twenty four ninety five, And the other one is uh, you get a complimentary safety inspection, state safety inspection. Um, and so I am going and I am ready and, and worried about it. And I'm like, I'm going to show them. I texted Kevin about it. I got my air filters put in yesterday myself because I didn't want them to tell me that, that your air filters are dirty. I'd be like, I changed them yesterday, you bastards. And so I went and I had all this animosity stored up and, and I show the person my, my coupons. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's free, twenty four ninety five. You're fine. And I, and I thought, oh, well, this is surprising. But I didn't, I didn't let up my guard. No, no, no. Because I knew they had to do the service. So they do the service. They come back. And they also do the inspection. In the past, they were like, oh, you know, your transmission fluid and your brake fluid are getting kind of dirty. We should do something about that, blah, blah, blah. And so I was ready for that or whatever. And today I'm going to apologize to to Kenny at, at Honda and, and Honda because they didn't say a damn thing. They said, have a good day. Be on your way. That'll be 20 eight dollars and so i'm i'm really sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna do a review oh. and i'm gonna say that they were great now third time's the charm i guess and i'm probably not gonna go to them again anyways but you know i i'm all up here for you know not basing everything off of the one time you went or maybe even the second time but i feel much better about this and i owe them an apology and i will i will work on that by reviewing them well if you and, do an so, internet review, let us know when and where it posts. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so just 
just to be clear about that, what you're apologizing to the Honda dealership for holding a preconceived notion that you did not share with them, uh, you didn't, you didn't tell Kenny, "I got my eye on you, you snake." I know you're going to try to overcharge me for this. He, well, like, I did. I did you, shove you the coupon in his that. face. I did shove the coupon in his face. Wait, sorry. Was this was this a synthetic oil? Uh, I didn't. They didn't ask. It was probably synthetic. <laughs> yeah, it was question. probably. They, yeah, no. That in the I mean, twenty five dollars is a ridiculous deal. Yeah, I, I think it was. They didn't ask me what kind of oil I wanted, so I assume they did synthetic because that's <laughs> they what they've always didn't. done. Canola oil. I do, I don't care. My car is five years old. It has twenty six thousand miles on it. Wow, <laughs> aren't we canola special? Oil in it. So so just 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 pointing out that this really and truly is yet again an apology to yourself. Really, uh, I mean, which is maybe. fine. It's it's worked yeah. for four years. It's worked yeah, perfectly I, I mean, well for four years. Keep doing it. I just I had a lot of bile built up, and they proved me wrong, and I was okay with that. And I will. You didn't thank spit that bile all over them, though. Well, you know, you're apologizing nearly. to them for having heartburn, but you didn't tell them you had heartburn. <laughs> well, that's because I didn't drink their coffee. Never drink their coffee. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that I won't come off of. But fair enough. Um. Okay, so we'll we'll close the show as we do with a, a big idea from pop culture, and, and really, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to to have my big idea be the episode of The Bachelor that I just watched before this, uh, which was truly insane, and uh, featured a, an accusation that one of the contestants is an alcoholic who is popping pills, um, lots of calling each other blanking blanks and saying that people are fake or are disrespecting, which I've learned over time uh, is like the literal worst thing that can occur on a reality TV show is the idea of disrespect or talking shit. Um, but uh, I wanted to go a little, a, a little more highbrow than that. Uh, I'm reading a book as, as uh Raj from Men in Blazers would put it. Uh, I'm reading a book called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bronx is Burning, uh, which is a story of New York in 1977 as, frankly, a whole lot of stuff burns and, and lots of lots of tensions come to a head. There's, the, uh, there's a major blackout that leads to rioting and looting in Brooklyn. Uh, there is... Uh, a contentious mayoral election the son of sam is stalking the streets and somewhere in all of this reggie jackson and billy martin find time to get in a fist fight and uh i just it's uh it's fascinating it's uh i i love i love reading stuff where there are lots of kind of disparate threads that get woven together masterfully and i think jonathan Mahler, the author who um, I believe is, or at least was at the time of writing, uh, uh, part of the New York Times magazine team, uh, is, is doing a really good job of weaving all of those threads together. So uh, if you enjoy sports, if you enjoy, uh, you know, if you enjoy stories about 
great American cities, if you care particularly about New York, I uh, would maybe recommend The Bronx is Burning. And if not, go watch The Bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, <laughs> if there's you're feeling no, lonely, there's, go watch The Bachelor. <laughs> there's no room in between those two poles. None at all. <laughs> uh, so uh, on that note, that is the end of the show. Uh, glad that you are, are here, Kevin, so you can actually – uh, you can participate in the normal ritual with the rest of us. I know we kind of shut you out of that sometimes, but uh, you can find this show on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty okay Pod or at our home on the web at com. You can subscribe on your podcast app and device of choice. Uh, if you do that, thank you. Please do us one more favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or just tell a friend about the show because we'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Ron Burgundy. Thanks for listening. Bye. And the piano,